Turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 11. We've got a lengthy portion of text and a shorter sermon so it'll even out. I want to really give you an invitation, uh, not just because our church is open, but I want to invite those of you that call this place home to make sure that you're here next week. I've not written anything, but I feel the Lord putting a word on my heart for the church in general and our local church about the days ahead and what to expect. You need to understand that we are not anxious, nor are we afraid Because the Lord our God among us is mighty. But at the same time, we're supposed to be wise as a serpent. Harmless as a dove, but wise as a serpent. And Jesus tells us how to read the signs of not only uh, where the world is, but on his timetable of where we are. And uh, we are in, in your pastor's opinion, and I know generations before have said the same thing, but they didn't have the same reasons that we have. We are in the time of God's greatest glory that's about to be manifested. Gross darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness is going to cover the people. But God's people are going to rise and shine and His glory is going to be seen on them. On them. So uh, next week may be a little different. I may be in blue jeans and just talking to you and walking the floor. I don't know. But I want to talk to you about being prepared Uh, This is not a fatalist mindset. This is not go lock yourself in a bunker and pull the lid over you because no light gets in that way and God loves light. But it is so that we're aware when stuff happens, you say, well, sure, I expected this. Sure, I expected this. And for those of you that used to be violent in your early years, you guys, you remember, it's the punch you see coming that knocks you out. We want to be ready for all things because we are not children of darkness. We're children of the light. And these things are not to surprise us. So unless the Lord changes direction, that's what I plan on doing next week with you. John chapter 11, verse 1. You can remain seated this morning. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto Jesus, saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. One of my favorite verses in the Bible right here. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Well, God so loved the world. Yeah, he loved the world, but this is familiar love. This is intimate love. This is life-shared love. Verse 6. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, he saith to his disciples, now it's time to go to Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone you, and you're going there again? And he answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If a man walk in the day, he stumbles not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he's sleeping, he shall do well. 
One more Bible mention of a nap. They thought he was napping. He said, he's in good. He's, he's good. If he's sleeping, he's all right. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he was, spoke, was speaking of him taking rest and sleep. And then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Mark that in your Bible. But I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord... If you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you ask of God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said unto her, Your brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus interrupted her and said, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said unto him, Lord, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come, and he's calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And the Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, they rose up hastily and went out. They saw that she did. And they followed her, saying, She's going to the grave to weep some more. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd have just been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said, Come and see, Lord. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave where a stone laid upon it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, which means he's decomposing, for he had been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? They took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me and I know you hear me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a very loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And that one that was dead came forth. Or back to life, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto him, Loose him and let him go. And the blessing of God is upon his word. Father, I just humble myself before you and ask for the next few minutes that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit. 
I pray, O oh Lord, for the ability to speak with such clarity and uh, anointing that the word would be like water finding the lowest place in our heart and may it go to the place necessary. Open our eyes that we might see. Great teacher of God, I pray, O oh Lord, that you use me this morning. And if you can't use me, speak in spite of me. I confess publicly that I have no ability or capacity to help anyone in any measure outside of your word. So sanctify us through your truth. Your word is truth, O Lord. Cause it to come alive in the hearts and in the lives of the hearers today. And we will give you all, Lord, all of the glory. It's due you. In Jesus' name, amen. This story is powerful and applicable on so many levels. It was one of the demonstrations of Jesus' divinity where he brings people back from the dead. It is an historical encounter teaching a spiritual dynamic. And when Jesus told Mary and Martha, he was, he was, he was speaking with them about Lazarus. You have to step back from this, pan back, if you will, with your camera and see the whole thing. Jesus is teaching a spiritual truth in a historical event. He said, um, he that believeth in me shall never die. And he that's dead, that hears my word and believes in me shall come back to life. And he said, do you believe this? Do you know this? Do you know who I am? Do you know where I am? Do you know my capacity, my power, my authority? Do you understand that this has very little to do with Lazarus and I can prove it to you because he died again? This was Jesus introducing himself and I want to portray and share this morning the same message to you. Do you know? Do you believe? And there are components in this story that tell our story still, those of us that have been born again, And are going to write your story today. Dead people can't come back to life. Someone with a power greater than death has to bring them back to life. That's why we stand against or in opposition to and boldly reject any religion that tells you how to turn your life around. We don't turn our life around. We don't modify it. We don't make it better. We don't turn over a new leaf. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Dead men don't react. Dead men can't come up with a new life motto. Dead men can't help themselves. But in our death, he came to us. And in this story, there are several factors I want to bring out very briefly and show you what he did. And my question to you is, do you know it? Do you believe it? And I'm believing that God orchestrated today to confirm in the hearts of believers how secure they are and for that one that didn't plan on it, for that one that's here by what you think would be coincidence, this could be your day. I remember mine like yesterday, July 6th, 1986. I had no intention of being saved. Dead men don't have intentions. That's why when you hear me testify, I don't talk about how I came to the Lord. You know, 30 years ago, I found the Lord. God wasn't lost. I didn't find the Lord. He came to my tomb, to my deadness, to my decay, and he spoke. 
That's why we who are believers, we don't give credit to preachers, apostles, prophets, bishops, vicars, popes. They can't help us. They can talk about the one that can help us, but they can't help us. We must be born again. And people who, I forgot the uh, theologian, might have been uh, Luther. It was in the early part of the, the, the last major reformation. And they brought him into the council and said, why do you keep preaching on, you must be born again. It's every week you don't preach about any other of the counsel of God. Why don't, why do you keep preaching? You must be born again. And he stood and said, because you must be born again. So this simple preacher is going to deliver a very simple message this morning. And in it is enough truth and the power of God to resurrect you into life. Number one, do you know? This is what Jesus is asking us from this passage. In the same way he asked Mary and Martha, do you know, do you believe? I'm asking you this morning, do you know that I love you? And now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and who? Lazarus, the dead guy. Oh, we rather put it in a corner and talk about religion and say, join this church, have Pastor John baptize you and lay hands on you. And we want to do all of these works. Now, if you come to church on Sunday and Wednesday and you do this and then you get on a committee and then you serve and then you can earn your way into salvation and we never deal with the core thing that God loves you. Oh, when you start to discipline that teenager, 13, 14, 15, and they start bowing up and you don't know nothing and they, you, it gets to be yeah, yeah. And you can't argue with somebody crazy. Parents, don't, don't do that. Somebody will walk by and not know who crazy is. They won't know which one it is. But when it comes down to the final ace in the hole, the, when the kid plays their cards and you did it too, they turn to the woman that brought them into the world. How many of you had parents, your mama told you about her labor for 18 years? Mine told me all about it. I almost died on the table. They tell you all about it. The kid turns to the parent and says, you don't love me. Why? Well, they know that will hurt them. No, 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 no. It's deeper than that. Because if you don't love me, then I don't owe you love back. God loves me. I was raised in a Christian home and I lived like hell and he loved me. I was bound in perversion and sexual sin and he loved me. I lived contrary to the dedication of my life held by my own earthly father's hand and he loved me. I denounced him. I lived contrary to him. I blasphemed him. I was vulgar. I was crude and rude and he loved me. See, you could preach me into hell. That wouldn't save me. I was going there anyway. You can tell me how wrong I am. That's why it's imperative that we don't attack people. We stand for truth. What I needed was not for you to show me a path to walk in because dead men can't see paths. Blind people can't see paths and we were blind. I was once blind, but now I see and you. Oh, 
I could hear about your sermons about the rapture. I could hear your sermons about the tribulation. I could hear your sermons on stewardship and giving and miracles and all that. But don't tell me God loves me because if I acknowledge that God loves me, then I owe him love back. And the beginning seed, the germinating seed in the life of the believers when they acknowledge that God loved them so much that he would hang naked on a cross to keep me from judgment. God loves you. The issue is not does God love Well, if God loved me, why didn't he keep this? We'll get to that in just a moment. But he said he loved you. And he said he loved Lazarus. So if Lazarus is a type, a shadow, if you will, of you, he loves you regardless. It doesn't tell us why he loved Lazarus. He just did. The greatest... Part of my heart is that I know that God loves me and delights in me. The one thing I want to put in the life of my little girls and my little boy is not where we live and what we drive, but that my daddy loves me because that is a foundational pillar. And God loves you. You don't know where I've been. God loves you. You don't know what I've done. God loves you. Number two, do you know that not only do I love you, but I know you. Therefore, his sister sent unto him saying, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. You can't love somebody you don't know. And did you know that God knows you by name? That God knows you historically? That God knows you intimately? And that God knows you completely? In the Old Testament, he speaks of forming a child in the womb of a mother. And he told one of the prophets, he said, before, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew who you were. So really, in the eyes of God, and this is beyond a mystery to me, so I'm just going to throw it out there and muddy the water and make us all confused, okay? It's something like this. An uncreated person already existing in the heart of God. Already existing. Because God knows no time. Now there was a time when we were born, but he said, I knew you before. So existing in the mind and heart of God was a created little boy named John Wood. And he maybe had a conversation with me and said, I'm going to put you in the earth and I'm going to send you to Roger and Sandra's and you're going to grow up and you're going to have your share of pain and you're going to turn away from me and everything. And when you're older, you're going to come back around and uh, you won't remember any of this. And so he sends me into the womb of a woman where this little boy grew and changed, slapped him on the rear end. He come to life. He screamed. I heard I screamed for two straight years. So... That's good that we don't have a biological one yet and reap what you, what you sowed. And anybody else, and Lynn, this is theory. I, but if he knew me, I know I didn't know him, but he knew me. Did anyone else have the feeling when you got saved like it was, like it was supposed to have been all along? It's like I knew, when I got saved, it's like I've known him. I, me and you have a history. It's like meeting someone, you go, it feels like I've known him forever. You ever done that? was because he did know you before. And for the Lord to know me, 
Here's the catch. If you know me before, you must have known me during, and you still love me. That's one of the most freeing things in the scripture, that God sees us. It, what was it saying? We, that he sent his love towards us, and while they were, we were yet sinners, not when we got it right, he said, oh, I, I've, I've loved you long before you were a fool. John, long before you were foolish, I loved you before your mama met your daddy. And see, truth has a way of liberating us. We are not to receive glory based on who we know, but on who knows us. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure that the Lord knows who are his. That's mine. That's mine. And you're very known, intimately, deeply, personally, by name. Number three, do you know, I can hear the Lord saying to us this morning, do you know why I did not prevent this from happening? Keep your Bible open. When Jesus heard that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Why would he, why would he record that? Why, when Jesus heard Lazarus is sick, why would he wait several days for him to die? And then the several day journey back so that Lazarus would be dead four days. Because it's teaching an eternal truth. Lord, you could have kept me. You hear people say, a her, a her earthquake. That's an act of God. If God were God, why would he allow any of these things to happen? If God were God, why would he prevent calamity? Lord, if you'd have been here, if you'd have been on the job and been God, we wouldn't have died. Why didn't the Lord keep us from our sin? Some of us in this room have sins that haunt us to this day. Why wouldn't he have kept us from that abortion? Why wouldn't he have kept us from our adultery and walking out on our... Lord, if you'd have been here, you could have just stopped all of this. He said, because if I stopped it, I would have took from you free will. And I would have made little robots that would stand in the presence of the Lord and say, hallelujah, and no one loves that's forced to love. I created you and I did not keep you from all of this hell. I gave you the power of choice in the garden and you chose the knowledge of good and evil, which meant you would rather decide for yourself which is right or wrong. I knew you would choose that and I planned a way to redeem you back after your choices and bring you back into a willful joyful relationship with me, not because I made you do it, but because you love me back. Lord, why didn't you come? Because I wanted it to go full circle. And he lets our sin go full circle to where we have nothing to give him, nothing to offer him. Because had we just been, you know, if he'd have just been sick and healed him, someone would say, well, Lazarus was in a coma, but he brought him back. So that would be a type of man helping get well again. It would mix the flesh in with it. He said, oh no, this is a truth that's going to be taught for age and ages. He let our sin go full circle and we were dead in trespasses and sin. Why did I not come early? Because you would have took credit for a changed life and you'd have been lost. He let our sin go full circle. Number four, do you know that I'm coming for you? Look at verse 11. Jesus said, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I go that I might awake him. I'm coming for you because I chose you. 
I'm coming to you because you cannot come to me. And I'm coming to you because I am your only hope. We could not get to heaven, so God brought heaven to us. We could not get to God, so God came to us. And taking upon himself the form of a servant, he came through the womb of a peasant woman in a, in a manger, in a feeding trough. He, he came historically, and now he comes individually to us, into your life. He finds you. He leaves the 99 in the church and he goes and finds the one that was lost. And he puts him upon his shoulders and brings him back home. If my wife were to break down, there's two people she needs to call. She needs to call me because I'm coming. And she needs to call AAA because I don't know how to do nothing on a car. She needs to call two people. She said, hey, I'm broke down. I'm on my way. Have you called AAA? Because I don't know where the socket set is or the wrench or I don't know. But she needs to hear and know. Wherever you are, I'm coming. How many papas I have in this room that have teenage daughters? Okay. Your daughter calls you on the phone and you can hear it in her voice. And she says, Daddy, where are you? She ain't even got to ask you. See, we think salvation happens because of how we ask. On the earthly level, it happens because of information. Once I know, I'm coming. And what you need to know is God has stood at the lip of heaven, watching things happen, watching it hurt and harm. But he wants you to know he's, I'm coming for you. I'm waiting. You might think it's too late, but I'm waiting so that your salvation will be full and whole and solely orchestrated by me because if there's any human mixture in it, it's of no worth. He's coming for you. Your parents say he doesn't exist, but he's coming for you. You feel that you've gone too far, but he's coming for you. It doesn't matter where you're at. I know of parents that have crossed the United States to pick up their child and say, Mama, come get me. Daddy, come get me. We're on the way. You sell a car. You do whatever you got to do to get the money to go pick. And do you understand God's not limited? And he said, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I'm going to get him up. And once he said that, once he made that commitment, it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. I remember um, during my rebellion, and I don't say this to glamorize my sinful life. I want to show you the example in the same way, Mary and Martha prayed to God for Lazarus. I had a mother and others praying for me, and you had people praying for you. Dead people don't pray for themselves, right? So they were praying, Lord, come heal the one you love. The one you love is sick. And I remember walking into my mother's office, and this was 30 years ago before it's as bad as it is now. And I was dressed for a pimps and whores party. And I watched my mother, when I came in, her countenance just fell. And I was brazen in my rebellion. I did not feel good that it made her feel bad, but I wasn't thinking about it. I was dead, consumed with self. She told me later, after I became a Christian, she said, I just collapsed on my desk. And I said, in essence, I'm just trying to borrow the phrase from her. Lord, the one you love is so sick. 
Mm -mm. I'm going to wait a while. I'm going to wait until it's hopeless. I'm going to wait until there's, it's past anything you or he can do. But Sandra, I'm coming for him. And God has spoke over some of you. Your parents have prayed and your grandparents have prayed. Your best friend has prayed. And you don't even want him to come. But he ain't checking with you. He's God. If you think, oh, we are free moral agents, we can do, oh, yeah, yeah, you can. But if you think your free moral agency can violate the will of God and the election of God, you've lost your mind. He's God. He speaks to things that are not as though they are. He takes the heart of a king over a nation and turns it whithersoever he will. So picture the king. I'm leading my nation. I know which way we're going. And God says, I'm going to turn you. You can't. I'm a free moral agent. I'll do what I want. I'm God Almighty. I'll move you over here if I want to move you over here. Well, now wait, John. You just contradicted yourself. You said we have to have free will to choose. You're right. So my mother's praying in the will of God that I would be saved. I'm living like hell. I don't want to be saved. So God has a problem. Except that God doesn't have problems. So free moral agent, I choose what I want. She's praying in the will of God. God said, I'm going to go get him. So what happened? Oh, he made my life such a hell I wanted to be saved. He didn't change my will. He rocked the world. A man come in my apartment this far from me, pulled a gun out, blew away my wall by my head. Standing there when I walked in, I took my dog out to use the restroom and there's three men in my house. He drops the TV and shot at me. People say, what'd you do? What do you think I did? Well, if anybody ever pulled a gun on me, guys think they're going to grab that lamp and I hit him. I ran so fast. (laughs) And I was strong, man. I had the V working back then, you know, little waist, big. Now I got an H working, you know, this way. (laughs) I had the V going then. The policeman, I told him what happened. The policeman said, that couldn't have happened if you were that close You'd have powder burnt. You'd have been blown away. I said, I'm telling you, I could have leaned over and touched him on the nose. I got shot at and he's telling me the guy wasn't there. I got a hole in my wall. And they said, well, what did you do? And I said, I ran. And I went and hid behind that dumpster over there. I'm thinking the only, <laughs> I was hoping he'd follow me. That's what I was hoping. Because he'd have died of smoke inhalation off my shoes for me running <laughs> my sneakers. <laughs> I wake up one morning beside my motorcycle, 10 a.m. I don't know how I got there. I drove it drunk the night before. People were walking by me to go to class. And I was curled up beside it. My helmet was off to the side. And after I got saved, I remember the Lord brought that back to my memory. He said, you remember that? I said, yeah. And it wasn't audible. It was in my prayer, in my dialogue. The Lord talks to us. He whispers to us in our spirit, man. It wasn't audible. He said, you remember that? I said, yes, sir. He said, I had my angels take care of you till you got to the place where you could be saved. I was coming for you before you knew I was coming. I protected you. And he used these events to get me ready to be saved. It, it's a mystery. You can't explain it perfectly. It's like Jesus said, it's like the wind that blows. You can't really tell well it's where it started, but you can tell. Someone asked me one time, they said, well, how do you know? How do you know that you're born again? 
I said, how do you know if you take a rock out of your shoe? You go, it's gone. Oh, that's arrogance. No, it's gone. I don't feel it no more. When I became saved and I came back to life by an act of grace, everything was different. Now, I still had problems. When you're saved, you know, if you was ugly before you got saved, you still going to be ugly. I'm sorry, you know. If your head shaped like a squash, when you get saved, you still got a squash-shaped head. I was different. What do you mean? I'll tell you. I walked into the fraternity house, and it didn't feel the same. See, it's been 30 years since I drank. I could go right now to any little club, little bar, and drink this Christian stuff. Oh, no, you couldn't. Oh, yeah, I could. I just wouldn't enjoy it. I can do any of the other stuff, but I realized, I said, I'm different. What really struck me is the first time I went in the Christian bookstore. So, and none of this is in my notes, so let me talk to you. I got 10 minutes left. I'll be done. I walked in, and you have to understand, me and Christian bookstore don't go together. Ain't nothing about me in a Christian bookstore. I was a DJ. I was a drunk. I didn't, yeah. So I walk in, and there's this cheesy picture on the wall. Cheesy. You know what cheesy is? Like bachelorette romance cheesy kind of, you know. There's this cheesy picture, and I'm not being disrespectful. Just hear my heart. It just wasn't quality work. It's just a piece of wood. And there was a shepherd reaching over, you know, in this cliff, and a lamb had fell off but was hanging on by a branch or something like that. And the, the shepherd was reading. That's all it was. I stand in there and I go, oh, I just start crying. I'm like, I'm the lamb. I'm the one he saved. Oh, I'm just standing there crying. And if you cry in a public place, you know what happens. People will walk up and go, oh, excuse me. Just, they don't bother you. And so I leave. I'm just all crying. I say, what happened? I just see stuff differently now. I see the Lord where I didn't see him. I knew I was changed. So I said all that to say this. Before I knew he was coming for me, he was coming for me. And he's coming your way. Number five. There's only six, by the way. Do you know how far gone, how far it has gone and how bad it has gotten? Do you know how far it has gone and how bad it has gotten? When Jesus came... He found Lazarus in the tomb four days. And it said in verse 39, he is stinking. His physical body is decomposing. And the bugs are eating him. No embalming like we have. But even that just prolongs it for a little bit. In the heat, it's in a cave part, but it's still outdoors. The, the rot is emanating off of him. Look at this type of sin. The wages of sin is death. Before, in the physical realm, the symptoms precede the death. Lazarus had his fever. Lazarus couldn't eat more than likely. He might have been jaundiced. He began to be weak. And people could tell he was dying and he died. In the physical realm, you see the symptoms before. In the spiritual realm, you see the symptoms afterwards. No one plans on being an alcoholic. No one plans on being a child molester. No one plans on being an adulterer. And let me, let me just say this. Just not looking for applause. Just listen. With all that's being done in the media, 
And we, we are, we shall take a stand against marriage. Uh, against marriage, it has to be a husband and a wife in the eyes of God. Okay, having said that, adultery is, ju- is the same type of sin. You can't be shacked up and be a believer. You can't be sleeping with someone else's wife or husband. But these symptoms follow spiritual decay. And what we have is a nation of people who've been told by some religious leader that you're good and their life pulses with decay. So who are you to say that? I'm just somebody that smells it, that's all. I smell it in my own life and you know yours when it starts to decay. And Jesus is asking you today, do you know how far this thing has gone? How many locked doors do you have in your house, sir? Let me see. You know what we try to do? When it starts to stink, we put stones in front of the cave so no one can smell it. And we run out of space. Ben, if you'd come, please. Do you know how far it has gone? Do you know how bad it has gotten? As a pastor, I see it all the time. I talked to the man in prison that started out looking at pornography in his teens and winds up molesting a child in his 30s. And he's still in prison. Never planned on that. I see the person that's just a, what they say, a, a social drinker, wind up losing their home and their children grow up to be addicts in all forms because they learn, you know, and I even had one person tell me one time, well, I don't do that in front of my kids. Can I just address that? I just don't do it in front of them. So we teach them it's not what you do. Just make sure you keep it from the right people. That's, that's worse than the thing. But we never plan on it going that far. Jesus says, I love you. I know you. I'm coming for you. But do you know how far it's gotten? There's a part of this type that is not complete. When Lazarus was physically dead... He did not. His physical body responds to no stimulus. So if a fly lands on him, he's not going to swat it. He's dead. When you're spiritually dead, you can't respond. because, Like you go to church, you're not a believer, and you go, I don't get it. I used to go to church. I don't get it. People standing, I'm like, I'm tired. I don't stand. Lift my hands. I don't. But he grants moments, flashes, if you will, where you understand that you're dead. Dead people don't know they're dead. I was sitting in that sanctuary, July 6, 86, and I began to dialogue with the Lord. And dead people don't talk. And he's giving some of you a moment this morning. He says, are you aware of how far it is? And you see it. You go, oh, God, I'm lost. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm dead in my sins. I, I don't have the... Capacity, the energy, I'm, I'm lost. The judgment's been given for the wages of sin is death. It's death and we're dying. Do you understand the gift that God gives you in this world? Do you, do you know that these gray hairs are a gift? We, we color them to try to cover them up, but they're a gift. Do you know why? The person looks in the mirror, realizes I'm dying. I'm dying. I've got to get ready to meet God. I'm dying. He gives us those moments. The prodigal looked in the mirror and said, 
my, ser- my father's servants have bread enough to spare, and here I am dying with hunger. I'm dying. Can you see today how far it's gone? You are doing the things today that you never thought you would have done as a teenager, a 20-year-old. And we can't help it. If we aren't rescued, there's no hope. Finally, I've been waiting all morning to get to this last point with you. Do you know, let me rehearse them, that I love you, I know you, Do you know why I didn't prevent this from happening? Because I will not make you love me. Do you know I'm coming for you? Are you aware of how far it's gone and how bad it's gotten? And do you know that this is nothing for me to heal? Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Not that I just give resurrections. He said, I am it. And I am the life. He that believeth in me. Everyone look at me. Listen. He that believeth in me. Though he were dead... Yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you know this? Do you know this? Dead people come back to life. What this passage points to is that God's life is greater than any death. God's light is greater than any darkness. And his grace is greater than any sin. God is saying to you today, I can do this by my power, my word spoken over you. One of my favorite verses, John 5, 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of God and they that hear shall live. Dead in the resurrection, everyone that's naturally died are going to be raised to judgment. And or reward. Well, what's promised in the natural is already happening in the spiritual. He calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He quickens you. You see it. You feel it. But he still, here's the only part that's different. He still lets you respond. And people can walk away. And Esau sold his birthright and later tried to get it back with tears and the Lord wouldn't listen to him. He wants you to know that there is no pit so deep that he's not deeper still. His grace is greater than your sin. And I can do this by my word spoken to you. I can do this by my word spoken over you. And I can do this by the power of my spirit. Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you were quickened. Those of you who were dead in trespasses and sins. I can do this for anyone, regardless of their past, regardless of their condition, regardless of the circumstances. And I can do this for you personally. And for some of you, I'm doing this right now. I'm calling you by name. Jesus walked to the tomb he said, move the stone away. Oh, Lord, don't do it. And see, churches are like this too. Oh, don't do it in front of, don't do it here. It embarrasses him. You don't embarrass dead people. That's, that's ridiculous. He said, I know how bad it's gotten. And he ain't gonna mind. Move the stone away. Oh, Lord, by now it's just stinking. I said, move the stone away. And Jesus went to pray. And it's very powerful. You'll find it in John 11. He said, Father, I I thank you that you hear me. I know you hear me always. And I'm not praying this for you and me. 
I'm praying this so they'll know that this has heaven's stamp on it. And Jesus said the words, Lazarus, come forth. Okay, I'm not a science major at any level. But when a body starts to decompose, and I'm not being crass, but just follow me at the miracle of it. So the bugs start eating the body. The bugs excrete the body. And Jesus, that word, come forth. All the pieces come back together. Like the same guy gets up out of the ground and he comes walking to Jesus. Heard one preacher say one time, he said, good thing he said Lazarus. Because if he had just said, come forth, everybody ever died would have come and got up out of the ground. Oh, I don't believe that. That's what the rapture is going to be. You better believe it. He's just going to call us home. So he went to this guy that was past hope. No one believed. Jesus said, do you believe I'm able to do this? I believe you're the Christ. That isn't what I asked you. I didn't want to ask you. So Lazarus comes out, has a napkin on his face. They pull it away. Everything that's recorded happened, but not everything that happens is recorded. Did he talk to him? So he's wrapped all up. Hey, buddy. They put a napkin out. Hey, how are you? A little constricted right now. Good, good. And he turned to the, what if you were the people standing beside him? Uh, uh, Andy and Lisa, untie him and let him go. I'd have held the little cloth like, oh. So Lazarus goes home. And people talk. People talk. You know he didn't pay for haircuts after that. You know he walked in. How y'all doing? Oh, this one's on the house, buddy. Don't you worry about it. Just go on. Oh, they talked about me. They said things like, give him six months. Like I got a flu shot or something. He brought me out. And said, now give him some time. You got to untie him. He's been dead, by the way. Give him some time. But John, I'm going to introduce you to a freedom that you have never dreamed about. Loose him. Let him go. And this morning, the day is coming. And now is. Now is. Where dead people will hear the voice of the Son of God. And they that hear shall live. Bow your heads with me and close your eyes. If you're visiting our church, there's no hype, there's no fanfare, and no one will embarrass you. It's just the work of the Holy Spirit, nothing else. If you do not call yourself a Christian, or you know, I'm not born again, it doesn't matter how much religion's in your background. I believe the Lord gave me this word because he's calling your name. Come forth out of what you're in. Come forth out of condemnation. Come forth out of guilt. Come forth out of bondage. And I'm going to introduce you to a life you've never known. Do you know that you're the one I'm preaching about this morning? With no one looking around, Brother John, I believe the Lord is forgiving my sins today. I didn't even see it coming. And I believe he's giving me life this morning. If that's you, no one looking around, just stand and come and kneel at this altar and say, I'm coming, Lord. What do you do when you hear your name? Come forth. You come forth. So come on. Where are you? Where are you? Oh, Lazarus, don't, don't.
don't despite grace. Come on, where are you? Who did I preach to today? Why did the Lord give me this word? Come on. Where are you, sir? Where are you, ma'am? Where are you? Oh, God bless you, sir. Welcome home. He ain't forgot you, buddy. God's calling your name. Where are you? Come on. Where are you? Cal, those on the altar team, y'all feel free to come on. Everyone open your eyes just a moment. One thing at our church we don't do, we're not going to wrestle or manipulate anybody. I believe I had the word of the Lord for you today. This is your day. I don't think I can live it. Let's cross the first hurdle first. Let's come to life first. And the one that gives you life will give you the power to live it. Come on. Who, am I, who did I preach to today? John, I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's get resurrected first and work out the I don't know. Where are you? Come on. Just a minute more. Who's God talking to today? Come forth. Where are you? I know there's others. I just know it. Just a moment more. Come on. Come on. If I didn't preach it right to you, please forgive me, but come to life anyway. Where are you? Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray. Cause it to happen this morning. Come on, the door's open for just a moment more. Who am I preaching to? Oh, God bless you, sir. You find a place right here. God bless you, sir. God knows your heart, young man. God knows your heart. He knows your heart. Saints praying all over this building. People are coming to life this morning. Where are you, ma'am? Is there a lady here? Is there a lady here? Come on. Who else? Backsliders. You don't need any prompting. You know the Lord. If you're away from God, just come and kneel. I'm born again, but I ain't living right. And I'm coming back to God. God bless you, sis. Any others? I'm coming back home to the Lord today. Kelly, would you pray with this lady? There's no embarrassment in this house. You're just around a bunch of dead folks that have come back to life. We all experience the same thing. All of us experience the same thing. One more. Y'all that go to this church, you know I don't do that. And I won't wait more than a minute. I just believe there's one more. Oh, God bless you. (laughs) Somebody bless the Lord this morning, would you? Come pray. Church family, would you do this with me? Would you just stand? And while they pray, they're praying in the altar here. Just, just a reverent lifting of our hands and thank the Lord from the bottom of your heart for finding your hiding place and giving you life. Thank you, Lord.
God bless you, sir. People are still coming while we worship. Ben, lead us, would you? Thank you, Lord. Could I be you only know? I'm glad you see through eyes of love a hopeless case an empty place where would I be? before we're dismissed and those in the altar if you're at a place you can listen fine if not you keep praying everybody loves to talk about Lazarus how bad he how bad it got all the death when you come back to life you don't care what nobody says you don't you don't care <laughs> they say oh Lazarus yeah I remember when your life looked like this. I remember when your life smelt like this. I remember when everybody gave up on you. I remember when you stopped and there was a tomb in front of you. Those days are behind me. Those days are behind me. May I say this over you? The day is coming and now is. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. And as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. All things are gone. Behold, God makes all things new. There is salvation under his name alone. And no other name under heaven given among men, we may be saved. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Don't ever question today. Don't ever question his grace. Do you not know that he'd planned this all along? Father, we honor you today. We celebrate you. We thank you for the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. We're just dead people come to life, oh God, and we're so grateful to be here. We thank you, we honor you, we celebrate you. May our lives bring glory to Jesus Christ, the Lord. We thank you for these that we watched, oh Lord. We were there that day. We were there there the day the stone was rolled away and they walked out. (laughs) Just beats all I've ever seen. We just bless you, Lord, and we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we conclude this service. And all of God's people said, amen. Somebody give the Lord a shout this morning.
Praise the Lord! Yes!